0: I just believe in the process, and we're, and we're going to win, going through the process. Now, Bills Mafia, it's time for the main event, so sit back and enjoy the show. <laughs> Bills Mafia, welcome to the Red, White and Buffalo Blues, a UK Bills podcast, Bills News with a UK twist. Robin here, as hey usual, you. and we're joined by one of my favourite, mm-hmm. one of my favourite from the Touchdown UK, friend of the show, Simon Carroll. Simon, thank you again for, for coming on. What seems to be, we'll make it annually, aren't we?
1: Yeah, thank you very much. Nice introduction. Thanks for considering one of your uh, favourite guests. I like that already. Uh, sorry, I couldn't come on before the draft. I was really late with my finishing this year. <laughs> <It was> br- <laughs> absolutely brutal this year. So,
0: Yeah, I bet. And I think you've already started for next year.
1: Oh, oh no, are you taking no, break no, first? no, 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 I- no. If I'm quite honest, I'm actually, I'm not like as uh, hardcore as some of these scouts who, you know, they release like uh, 2024 NFL drafts like the night after a draft and things like that. (laughs) I like, I think it's just because I like to enjoy the football. So through the season, I just love watching college football as a fan and then I subject my wife to pure torture from like December onwards because <laughs> like I just just bury my head in film for about 3 or 4 <laughs> no. months. But this year was rough. I got a new job, a, a, you know, a day job. So uh, it meant that it was just like I had to follow. I couldn't go to work and do my other stuff, which was, uh, yeah. was shocking. <laughs> I, never, I never asked what is your college team? Uh well, um it's just like my a... NFL team. I do have a team but it's vague. You know, I'm a Texas Longhorns fan, always have been. Um I don't know why I guess probably the probably the Friday Night Lights vibe. I think is where it came from. But yeah, just like I am in the NFL with the Chargers, it's very loose. I just love watching the game. Any any game, any team, anywhere. Yeah, that's no, good. I mean, I, I do try
0: and follow the um, the Buffalo Bulls, just obviously keeping it at Buffalo and all that. But of to be honest, I'll watch anything that's anything. And I'm just kind of glad that I'm getting BT Sport back for uh, for this coming uh,
1: this coming season because to be honest as as NFL fans fans, like if if you're not watching college football and you get into it you'll start quickly realizing that it is Mm. it's it's different but it's amazing. It's you know know, start to consume your Saturdays as well, your Sundays. So you've got to be careful. But yeah, well I honestly would recommend it for any listeners out there who who kind of like a bit vague with the uh, with the college football it's well worth starting to get into.
0: Yeah. So I mean I mean, how how was the draft for for you itself? I mean, I say you you spent a lot of time actually doing the prospects. I know you always you do at the end of the draft, you stay on for as long as possible and do the undrafted. I, I assume that's probably the more uh, what what's the best word more intrigue and more interest for you on that side, just to see who do, who dropped completely out of the um, the round, who they actually get picked up.
1: Yeah it's a, it's a brutal pro, uh, process for most people like we talk about the, the you know the first round guys and then obviously the top 200 was it 259 this year who got actually drafted. Yeah. You forget we're looking at like thousands maybe of, of guys who've got an inkling of hope who've kind of signed up with an agency who have kind of done uh, you know like a big training regimen and got the pro days and really hoping for that one shot at things and um yeah, I've, I've always considered setting up a new site. It's called Day Three because it's my favorite day of the draft. You know, like you get all the under under the radar prospects. That it's, it's when good teams become great teams. Really, yeah. If, if you've got a good uh, scouting system, good uh, you know, good at talent acquisition, that that's where you win because that's where you mm. find gems essentially. But yeah, it was weird this year. It was widely deemed a draft with less than normal talent, which I didn't yeah. quite subscribe to. I don't like the the notion that you know you can say that because ultimately, as a team. As a team, it's your job this weekend to get better. So it doesn't yeah. really matter com- this year compared to last year, how the quality of the talent is. You want to get the best players from this year. I mean, mm. obviously, that being said, some smart teams like the Cardinals were able to draft, uh, you know, trade down and get capital for next year. And if you can do that, that's great. But it was really interesting to see just how some teams attacked it. Arizona obviously had that mindset to some extent, wheel the dealing kind of thing. But then you just saw the Detroit Lions who were just like, well, we'll just forget positional, you know, Value and just took dudes that they thought were were great football players. They didn't care. They yeah. thought we're not, we're not risking it. You know, we're just going to take what we know, and I I, mean, and, I, and it made it really interesting. I mean, who who in your opinion? We're just going to go wild,
0: wild, um, wide NFL at the moment. Who who in your opinion had the best draft of them of them all out there? Because I mean, obviously Texans. They had quite a few picks. They actually made some good signings. They managed to go back to back second and third to pick up Stroud and. Um, um, Will Anderson. I mean, who, who, in your opinion, had
1: had the best, the best draft out of the um out of thirty two? Uh, it's tough. I, I like the Texans. Basically, did did all the dealing within the first ten minutes and went for a cold one, didn't they? That's what they did. Yeah. <laughs> they weren't hanging around at all. Um, I don't know. I think uh, I tried. I knew this question would come up, so I was trying to look at it. And uh, <laughs> the teams I didn't like were very thin. Tough to tell. Maybe the 49ers, maybe the Packers. But I'm being, you know, none none were atrocious. On the other hand, I thought loads of teams did really well. I mean, we're going to get to the Bills, no doubt, in, in some time. But, like you know, the great thing about the Bills is you always see a, there's, there's very much a, a, a kind of – there's a plan. Always a very a very good plan with Brandon Bean. You know, you always know, like, each year he's built it, it up, now it's kind of like finding those finishing pieces. It's very nice and tidy. Um, I liked every single draft in the AFC North. I thought they were, that was the best division by far. But then the Colts, the Broncos, the Bears, the Giants, the Eagles in particular – uh, the Panthers, the Cardinals, the Rams, the Seahawks. I, for the Rams, considering they didn't have a pick to, like number thirty-six, they managed to draft their twelve or thirteen players, <laughs> and and uh, and I thought they were really good. But again, like everyone likes to say now, you know, you don't know how good a draft is until three or four years down the line. This is just a, exactly in, in terms of guys I thought were good, you know, especially certainly at certain value. But I tell you what, the Bills are right up there. Yeah. What. What's
0: your opinion on obviously the Jets, Dolphins, and Patriots? One obviously, AFC East. I think I think Jets had a decent draft, Miami, not so much. Patriots, they just it's almost like they were throwing names at dartboards <laughs> in, in rounds <laughs> sometimes.
1: Are you are you, uh, are you surprised about the page? I think they bang to the beat of their own drum ever, True. Uh, forever and always, don't they? I mean, Christian Gonzalez was, was a nice, obvious pick at the top, yeah, of that, wasn't it? You know, uh. I'm a big fan of Keon White, and from then that point onwards, uh, all bets are off with the Patriots. You know, <laughs> Marte Mapu, a Division Two guy from uh, Sacramento, say who everyone likes, by the way, but very hard to find tape on, so it was hard to work out if I liked him. Or not.
2: We, we liked him, didn't we? I think we drafted yeah. him, didn't we? draft oh, like We added you know, <laughs> <off and laughs> yeah,
1: we we in the uh, draft last week. Nice, <laughs> nice. But they drafted a kicker and a punter, and <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, uh, I've always found it quite interesting that they never pick up many UDFAs each year, one or two. And this year, they, mm. I think, I think they've only picked up Malik Cunningham. I think it's the only guy they picked up, which yeah. is, which is intriguing. I do like that. And I won't, I will not be surprised if they come up with some kind of like bespoke playbook for Cunningham. He's a quarterback, obviously, but he's like, you think Bryce Young, small Malik Cunningham is tiny, but electric quick. So if they, if they want to get him on the field and give him some gadget plays, that could work. So that'd be interesting to see. Um, didn't, didn't hate the draft. Didn't mind the draft. You know they got Keishon Butte towards the end of the draft as well. Who's yeah. a guy who you know he was electric two years ago on the field and then kind of fell foul off everything <laughs> in every, every every way possible. But you know the talent's undeniable. The Dolphins yeah. was a very small draft. It was just based on speed, as it always is. Cam Smith's a very quick feisty cornerback. Lack of instincts, but makes up with it with his closing speed. And then they went and drafted uh, Devon A. Chain, the running back. Who's basically just Matt Breeder reincarnate? So that's another another dose of speed for them, and then and then the Jets—they were very much in the mold of the Detroit Lions. I think they were just kind of like, well, you know, this drafts all over the place. We're just going to take people we like, and they took and took Will McDonald in the first round, which a lot of people thought was a reach. I thought it fits the jets to a t you know they we're talking about uh, bobby sallows come over from the 49ers they play that hybrid 4334 defense they have a guy who's a designated pass rusher essentially but you know a bit of a bigger one rather than a, a quicker one he used to be d ford in kansas city and then he went to the 49ers it was he was the same job there and uh, i think will mcdonald's a, you know it's a good comp that is their uh, d ford for mm-hmm. them so i think that works well for them you know they've I don't, the Jets, the, the draft was secondary to the Jets, wasn't it? Let's be honest. Yeah. It, was, it was kind of like the, the side party compared to uh, the whole Aaron, <coughs> Aaron Rodgers uh, debacle. So for them, this was just adding extra pieces if they could. Uh, they did, but but if I, if you ask me right now, I think the Bills were the you know were were the cream of this division, and I think draft weekend just reinforced that.
0: Yeah, I mean, I was always I was annoyed during it because the Jets actually drafted one guy actually wanted the Bills to do, even though. We have a stable ready, but the um but Abankanda, mm. the running back from Pittsburgh, I wanted the Bills to get him because I could see a Damian Harris type player in him and actually get him on and get him on and but Jets nicked him. So <laughs> what we're gonna do, just support him, but not when not when they're <laughs> playing the uh the Bills, just wishing the bad luck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You don't want to be wrong, but you don't want him to do well. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I mean if we want to go back to our, our little mock draft we did on the show before, I mean,
2: mm-hmm.
0: we went, we traded down and picked up um, tight end Darnell Washington, um, stayed where oh, we are day. and got Kinu Benton, then Chandler Zavler, Marvin Mims, oh. Carl Brooks, Mapu, Akambanga, um, Clark, and Merriweather. So
1: that and, was a fairly good draft, I think. That's not bad yeah. at all. I actually interviewed. Uh, Chandler Zavala this year He's a lovely guy, really very softly spoken, quiet guy. He's had a hell of a hell of, <laughs> hell of a journey to get to the NFL right now. Yeah, um, his his father, uh, you know, uh, almost died on the operating table. Uh, he had like injuries, and obviously with his father, he tried. He had to ask for an extra year of eligibility from the NCA, and they denied him twice before he got finally got it. Like six days before the start of last season, totally balled out and uh, was totally off the radar, and managed to be yeah. a fourth round draft pick. Absolutely phenomenal.
0: Yeah, and then we were trying to compare what we actually um, draft, what we actually drafted, to what actually Bean did. And I mean, looking at it, and we're going to go through the draft now. I mean, we're kind of right on our um, on our first pick. Okay, we went down between, to between uh, me
2: and Mark. Yeah, went I, down wanted to um, I wanted to trade up for a tight end because I think you know hadn't Dolson Kincaid gone? By yeah, yeah, I think he did. Yeah, an arm of draft.
0: Yeah, and. And to be fair, I'm going to give Mark this because he did. He did call it. He did say it. He did say it that we would actually he would say Kincaid would be the pick at one, even though he still won't give me the fact that I I was the first person there to say Carrol
2: last year. Yeah, let, let it go, mate. The draft, <laughs> we're two but, drafts. We're two drafts removed from that now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but I mean, what what's your take on on Kincaid? Obviously, everyone. All the media seem to love the fit for him. I mean, he's what they call him, a, a wide receiver in a tight end body and all that. And he's obviously was rated highly on um Daniel Jeremiah's um uh draft prospects list.
1: Oh, yeah. Modern day NFL tight end. I mean, you, it's my favourite tight end in this draft class. You want your own version of Travis Kelsey. This is as close as you're going to get, you know, an absolutely uber athletic tight end. Probably the best burst of all the tight tens in this class. You know, he's got he plays like a, with the speed of a receiver. That's where the comps come mm-hmm. from. You know, he's a legitimate down, downfield threat from in line from the white or outside the numbers. They moved him outside at Utah. You know, great hands, some outrageous catches on tape, absolutely outrageous catches. If you if you get to watch the tape of Dawson Kincaid at Utah, I would recommend you do so. It's so fun. Um, I love his route running ability. You know, subtle movements to stack those DBs. that certainly in line as well before peeling away. Just a, and really dangerous with the ball in his hands as well. You know. I mean, he has had some injury concerns. There's a bad back that might kind of limit his start of his rookie year. But it is important to note that team doctors cleared him. So, you know, I don't think he would have gone in the first round if there's any kind of concerns there. And also, he's not a blocking tight end. You know, you might need to lean on your boy Dawson Knox for a bit of help there. But another weapon for Josh Allen. It's an absolutely huge addition. In a draft where the receivers were likely gone before you got to have your selection anyway, the, the top mm. end ones. And even then, I, I mean, I would have taken Dalton Kincaid as if you're looking for a pass catcher, not necessarily a receiver, but a pass catcher. I'd have taken Kincaid over Addison. I'd have probably taken him over Flowers just from the size. And I definitely would have taken him over Quentin Johnston. So I, I think there's, there's only maybe if you manage to somehow get Jackson Smith and Jigba, it might have been the, the one scenario that, that you could have come out better with here. But for me, yeah, absolutely nailed on pick this. No.
2: I mean, Robin, what, what, what do you feel? um well uh I'm very rarely right about any prediction that I make, so let me just get let me just get out in front of that i'm I'm permanently wrong about everything, but the one thing I did say was we need an offensive weapon um and I kind of didn't really care whether it was wide receiver, whether it was tight end or perhaps as two and a priori two and a half. Um, an offensive lineman, and we got that in the second round. So as so long as we got a guy that made Josh Allen's job a little easier, that took the pressure off Steph Diggs, that then made Gabe Davis more of an elusive player, with hopefully James Cook coming on in year two, we've still got Naheem Hines, we still got Damian Harris, all of a sudden, and we'll perhaps get on to all the all the – we're drowning in guards now <laughs> – um, it's just fantastic with the, with the off season from worrying about the offensive line. All of a sudden, and we we blew teams away last season as well, and that's that's often overlooked. Um, I just yeah, I just think we've we've solidified our our position as one of the most dangerous offenses, certainly in the AFC
0: Yeah, I mean, I say I wasn't, I didn't know where I wanted to go for that for that first round pick. To be honest. I was technically team trade down because I, I did multiple mock, mock drafts. Okay, Kincaid was off the board on majority of them. I just didn't know where where to go. The only thing that I loved, I really, really, really enjoyed on that was obviously us jumping up ahead of the Cowboys to take him and obviously mm. Skip Bayless' reaction <laughs> <laughs> to that. But, I mean, at that point, I, I was I was in on Mazzie Smith. Oh, as yeah. the Bills' um, Bills pick, but I think I think there is a lot to a lot to Kincaid, and I think him and Knox will make a very good, a very good um, tandem. Um, I don't know if anyone has a nickname. Can think of a uh, nickname off the top of their head. Special
2: K. has uh, got me got me got, got me a bit of a uh, bit of love from random random <laughs> uh, random people. That was not bad. is
1: okay, isn't, uh, isn't K two like the mountain Krakatoa? So well, there you go. You know, yeah, you you just for you guys to decide anyway. All I know, yeah, all I know, all I know is is that in a draft where you know it's it's, it's not a nice needs to say I want to trade down and some teams might, were able to, but not many. Uh, and then mm. standing pattern and taking picks. And then we're thinking, why are you taking them so early? It's because it's the players they trusted. They trusted the board, and there was no there was no room for thinking I could get him in the third round because ultimately, if you keep trading down, you are going to have loads of picks, and you don't. <laughs> there's not that many players you want, so you know. The Bills that are in a position now, now it's, as Bills fans, I imagine for you, you you kind of like almost delicately embracing the role of of being one of the top teams in the NFL now. You know, it, it, hmm. it, it, this is a stage in the draft situation whereby you are you are finding the, the final the finishing pieces. You know, pieces that will make you better, regardless of position. I think Dalton Kincaid was an excellent pick in that regard.
0: Yeah, I mean the what the the, the shock. I wouldn't call it a shock as much as well. Obviously, the pick, but. Cyrus O'Torren's our second round pick dropped all the way to 59. That that did shock me quite a bit. I thought if he wasn't going to go late first, he would have gone early, early second. But I think i have seen,
2: seen multiple, I've seen multiple ESPN drafts had him at 27 for the Bills. Oh, yeah. So that was that that was yeah, that's a complete no-brainer, isn't it? Oh
0: yeah. I'm just looking at that, looking at that pick and thinking, my god, we've got we've got a top 20. Prospect, number one interior guard, um, or pure interior guards. I know um there are a couple of tackles that are gonna move to guards at fifty-nine. I just think wow,
1: with, with him and what and obviously his movement and his and his wingspan. Oh, yeah, it's huge. It's absolutely huge. And I think the this was gonna be a draft more than many drafts where us, real media, you know, um the casual fan will will embrace players that not necessarily teams will, because it's just mm. one of those drafts where where the where talent the wasn't necessarily the same quality as previous drafts. And that always gives you a lot more leeway in terms of what people think. But I thought this was a really stacked draft in terms of interior offensive linemen anyway. All those centres, yeah. there was loads of them. Steve Avila, amazing player. Mazzie Smith on the defensive line, you know, in de- defence or offence, both interiors were really stacked. And I thought they could go in any order. But I did have Osiris Torrance's my number one interior offensive lineman, and, and you know, it was obviously to me a position where the Bills wanted to focus on. They thought that the, the you know they were so deep at that position they could come back at fifty nine. Hopefully, one of the guys was still there. So it was, you know, you, you managed to bring in Conor McGovern in free agency, didn't you guys? I know you lost yeah. Cody, Cody Ford. That's yeah. definitely an upgrade straight away. Ford didn't right. quite.
2: Yeah, Roger Roger Saffold. Yeah, and we've got David Edwards as well, didn't we? As guards, yes. we've two guards in free agency. And we've got two guards in the draft as well, so. <sighs>
1: Well, it will be interesting to see if uh, Torrance actually cracks that lineup. You know, he's a huge, absolute monster of a man, elite height. You're looking at a massive wingspan, as you, as you said, Matt. You know, broad chest, engulfs anything in his post code. Frame dripping in power. He just watch him sink those cleats into that turf and literally stonewall pass rushes i love how quick out the burst on him he's not necessarily over long distances i don't really want you to see him pulling or the, the zone maybe the zone blocking schemes might be a little bit more challenging for him but in terms of burst off the line and getting into the pads first he's always there really good like that um his eyes are always working very busy mindset to him i like how he, he's he's aware of secondary moves you know alternate dangers to him as well yeah. uh, i think he's just a real clean prospect um and at 59, you don't find those in good drafts, let alone ones that, that people have question marks about. Uh, it's a real solid pick at 59. And I think it, what it does is getting him or someone like him at 59 justifies your first pick. Because if you'd done it the other way around and you'd taken Osiris Torres in the first round, you wouldn't have got the same quality of tight end in the second round. So again, no, exactly. give Brandon Bean his flowers like we do every time I come on this show with you guys. He knows mm-hmm. what he's doing, doesn't he?
0: I mean, you, yeah, you've got, you've got a guy in Torres, who obviously no sacks allowed. Um, no, no hits allowed. Only how eight, hur- eight hurries allowed. Is he more, in your opinion, is he more of a better in the pass block or the run block, or are they pretty much all the same? Because obviously, the main aim that Brandon Bean had going into this off season was to to protect Josh Allen, and obviously, with with a three hundred and thirty-pound um, offensive lineman who's very uh, very aggressive and physical. It's a it's a good it's a good pickup on that.
1: No, I agree. I, I, what I would say is like you look at the dude, you know, and he absolutely fills the phone booth that he plays in, and you're going to assume he's an absolute mauler and a run blocker, and he does that job very well. But he is, but the burst, his quickness, his first into pass, he gets sets good depth when, on his pass sets. You know, from an interior guy, you can't ask for much more. Um, you don't. I think if you had like a, a team, you know, like the 49ers where you play wide sets, I think you'd be a little bit more concerned about it. But in a mm. In a, you know, in a Buffalo Bills offense, where it's quite a tight front up front, it's a very physical offense. That, you know, certainly trying to be anyway, based on all the off-season moves. I think it's fine. I think he's perfect situation for him to go into there. Um, it'd be interesting to see if he does start. that would that I think he competes with Ryan Bates, doesn't he, for that right guard spot or any new yeah. guys mm-hmm. that have come in. Yeah. That'd be really interesting to see um, if he if he's able to crack that first season because these linemen, you know, they don't get much of the shine do they? So it'd be, it'd be just a little kind of like sub story to follow. Underneath to see what as and when he get he assumes first team duty because I do think that's ultimately the plan.
2: Yeah, I think uh, in terms of well, from the Bills' point of view as well, I think one of their big things was about strengthening the interior of the offensive line. What I'm thinking of as well is what do we do with Ryan Bates? Because there's going to be one man left over, isn't it? You've now got basically four pretty decent guards, two guards, two backups, which is fantastic. And you you look at the, the 10, 9, 10 guys that are going to make the 53. It's pretty looking pretty strong now for the offensive line, where a year ago, it was you, you're kind of hoping no one gets injured. Well, what we're interested in, and I'm sure Matt will be interested, how many years is our current centre, Mitch Morse? Terrific player, but... I, I we wonder how many how many seasons he's got left. He's been concussed way too many times. And mm-hmm. you know, we're all kind of worried about him. And you're just thinking it'd be great if maybe you can get Ryan Bates to probably take over a center, or maybe Edwards, or maybe McGovern can take over a centre and leave Torrance right guard. I think that would be fantastic if they could.
1: No, I think that's the, that's the uh, good thinking in that part because one thing I would the one negative I would say about Torrance is he's guard only prospects. Yeah, some he's not people, a tackle some, or a center, is he? Some people talk to him as tackle, he's not, he's not a tackle. Um, center is a big old unit for a center. I would argue that the guy you got later in the draft, Nick Brooker, who's one of my faves, I think he's got more chance of moving to center than Osiris Torrance. Um, so it would be, yeah, I did wonder that. I love Mitch Morse. I think he, you know, when you guys signed him in free agency, though, and he, you know, he came over and you guys met him in the airport with those chicken wings, it's stuck in my mind. I love that. I absolutely love that. And he's been a he's been a Bill stalwart, hasn't he, for time? But yeah, you do wonder about his longevity. Um, and in a position along those lines, with all the attrition we see at that in, in that spot for the defensive, you know, in the defensive line in the NFL, you know, just ask the Washington Commanders, just how they fare when they when they start going getting out to eighth, ninth, and tenth guys, and the are putting tight ends at left yeah, tackle yeah. and things like that. You know, uh, I think having having this is a good Chargers problem for you guys to have. Well,
2: didn't the Chargers lose? Like, didn't you have three in? Um did you lose like your left tackle, your centre, and your right tackle, something like that in the during the season? That was the the, the Chargers may they well start with
1: not Well we, they are lucky every year. They may as well start with three three offensive line. <laughs>
2: <right? laughs> I, oh, it's I, got to, oh, there's got to be a rainbow, Simon. It's, surely. Yeah. <laughs> surely. Surely it's, it's going to come good. Sure. It's
1: negligence at this point, I think. You know, I'm in the depth of that position if you're the charges. But yeah, for the Bills, I honestly think that that is might be the question mark. We'll be interested <clears> to see who, who's your uh, backup center. Do you have, you guys got one on the roster at the moment no? mm,
0: It'd oh. most likely be Ryan Bates, if anything. Yeah. Mm.
1: Yeah, well, that's interesting.
2: Yeah, he's played everywhere, he's played pretty much every position at one time or another on the offensive line and been pretty good. The one thing, oh, yeah. the one the one critical thing you'd say about him is that he's something of a jack of all trades, he's kind of a six or a seven at pretty much every position, but he's not really a nine or a ten anywhere,
1: mm. kind of thing. Well, so he's really a great
2: way right. to have around. But of course,
1: yeah, yeah, well, the plan's there though, you know, you that's all you can ask for as a fan is to understand the kind of like the, the path you're on. I think mm. Brandon Bean doesn't make it very, very clear what they're trying to do, um, and. You know, I, I think Bill Bill's fans from the past will say that, you know, this is a blessing. And if you look at other teams across the NFL, it's not so obvious. And if you don't know what it is, you've got less trust in it. Whereas with, with Brandon Bean, at least you know that he's thinking about that. You know, he, he, obviously he drafted an interior offensive, two of it interior <coughs> offensive linemen. He picked up uh, Richard Gourage as, as an undrafted free agent rookie. He played tackle and guard at Florida. And then you've obviously, you know, made some moves in free agency. It's a position he's concerned mm-hmm. about and he's made moves on it. Yeah. I think
0: I think the the move or the pick that most people are now um in a sense worried about not worried about is very polarizing is our third round pick in um Tulane's Dorian
2: Williams. We, um, we need some expert outside neutral opinion <laughs> to to talk some of us off the ledge. <laughs> I mean
0: I mean to be honest I could see why they've actually done it and listened to Brandon Bean's like press conference and what he had uh the like who linebackers he had a uh, um at the Panthers, what Davis, Thompson and Keatley, they were all in the like six one, six two range and up to about and range between like two thirty and two
2: hmm.
0: And all that. And what he's trying to say is they wanted they want Edmund to do stuff that he really didn't have the phys- not physical capabilities, but struggled to do in getting yeah. a Williams in there who is a tackling machine. I think is for me is actually um, is a decent ready-made, um, almost a ready-made replacement.
1: Yeah, the, uh, the you know Edmonds leaving town. I mean, look at the money you got from Chicago. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. that that's not commensurate with what you want you guys were willing to pay, even if you like yep. what he was doing in the first place. So it's, it's kind of irrelevant whether or not, you know, we can fit into the system. <laughs> if you look, yeah, if you look at the Panthers, they do have very rangy, very quick linebackers. Um, This is not going to be an impartial opinion on Dorian Williams. I'm, I'm sorry to say, Robin, uh, I yeah. love me some Dorian Williams. I remember. Oh, all right. So, like, okay. a, hold on. I might have a, yeah, I've got a two lane t-shirt on right now as we speak. I, you can't see <laughs> that. It's a little roll I am a bit, you know, this is, but this isn't by particularly biased. If you watch the tape, he can play football really well. <clears> He's an instinctive, fundamentally sound linebacker. He played something of that like, kind of like <clears> the finesse linebacker role at Tulane. They played a three-four. They had two inside linebackers. It was him. It was Nick Anderson. Nick Anderson was the thumper. Dorian Williams was was the was the rangy but but productive kind of like tackler next to him. Um, he keys the run extremely well. That's his first job. Very good at that. He's a step ahead of the protection, uh, you know, getting to his gap and never ever misses when it comes to taking the ball carrier to the ground. So he's very consistent, very trustworthy. Um, I, I love how he. his technique's brilliant. He comes to contact correct. I think um, yeah. he kind of like, he's got lack of weight. We know this. He masks that by setting his feet in a wide base. He, play, he, he plays balance, very balanced and he, he strikes with, his, he's got good length as well, which obviously helps mm. him keep off blocks and wrap up tackles. So, um and physic, more physical than you think as well. I did see a picture of both him and Nick Anderson when they got recruited by Tulane, and he was stick thin. You would think he was skinny for a, corner, a cornerback. And by the time he left, he packed on so much weight. And he's still small for NFL standards, but for the, the transition was phenomenal. I don't know how much more you can get on him. be interesting. But I don't think you want to anyway. If, if being in co want that kind of Panthers. You know, Shaq Thompson is a fantastic comparison, actually, to, to Dorian Williams. Really good one because athletically, they both have that kind of range to be anywhere on the field that needs to be. Uh, and the, the best thing I think about him as well, in coverage, he can hold a zone and even match tight end with his speed. So mm. you talk about a guy who's, who's racked up 300 tackles in the past three years as a starter. Um, I would argue the bigger question is, because I think Dorian's going to play weak side for you guys, which is traditionally where Matt Milano's played. So I'd be interested mm-hmm. to see if Matt Milano's is a candidate who can move inside, play that might linebacker. he's quite physical, Matt Milano. So I think he could probably do it. Um, I I would argue that if Dory is going to start, it will be weak side because he can chase that ball down, back down for the backside and be that kind of like really quick and blitzer. He can he can be a little blitzer as well. I I think you should, I'm amazed you mentioned Shaq Thompson. It didn't even occur to me until you said it. It <laughs> makes absolute sense. Real real good comparison. I mean think- the only other thing I'm
0: kind of I'm most thinking of with the linebacker and obviously Dorian, the thing is, is the Dolphins obviously their offense. They've got obviously Tyreek Hill, um, what, a four-two speed, um, a Shane a four-three speed, um, Mozart a four-three Waddle a four-three speed, all that, and you want someone that can play a linebacker. And the one thing that did irk me about the draft that. That didn't help, but obviously we didn't address the defensive interior. Obviously, now we've got, we've signed Puna Ford to a, um, a one-year deal, but we didn't have that um, big body in the middle. And it kind of made me feel that, yeah, he's not going to play that much often. But with McDermott, who likes to be aggressive and have these type of linebackers that can play coverage and be a bit more of a hitter, that he could he could be in there and it could just be him and Milano as a two, and have the five, um, the five defensive, um, defensive be, backs.
2: Bills play nickel like so much of the time. Anyway, oh, yeah. you really, only you really only most of the time play with two linebackers. And if you think we've got twelve Bernard that we drafted last year, not sure what's going to happen. Terrell Dodson plus Williams, you've almost got three guys at training camp competing for that, for that other, for the other linebacker role, and, and AJ and, Klein. You know, Oh, A.J. Klein. Who can forget A.J. Klein? But he's probably going to be a backup, though, isn't he, to be fair? He's that guy who comes on when, you know, the main guy. He's an evening do, not
1: a wedding ceremony person, (laughs) (laughs) is me.
2: I like like the
1: the analogy. I I would argue that Klein probably backs up Milano if if Milano moves to the stronger side. And, um, yeah, that position is there for Dorian to take. I I, I would argue that maybe he might need a bit bit of time to work his way in. But I think you've got that luxury. Mm. And yeah, you're right. Absolutely right. A lot of nickel, a lot of nickel for most defenses mm. now, but but in particular the Bills, you know. I, and of course it is in the AFC. You know, <laughs> you're going yeah. up against you're going up against three wide wide receiver sets all the time, aren't you? And big arm quarterbacks, so it makes absolute sense. And yeah, I think Williams does have that speed to carry running backs, where they could carry a, a Devon A chain. I don't know. I mean, I don't think we're pushing most uh, linebackers to be quite fair, <laughs> and any speed on that on that defense, but you know if if you're going to try and compete in that division if if you're trying to like plug these little small deficiencies let's say in your team that is a great move. Hmm.
2: Mm. So yeah, you can okay. tell
1: you, tell Bills Mafia UK that they can rest easy. I love Dorian Williams, but you know <laughs> I will vouch for Dorian Williams. Fantastic. Just time stamp that moment.
0: Just... <laughs> <laughs> but I mean my my favorite pick, I mean and um, here's our round five pick. I mean, you've got Justin Shorter here. You've got a guy that, that mm. I think someone tweeted a picture of him um, with his obviously flexing his shirt off. And he's actually almost a DK Metcalf type clone with that body, <laughs> with the, the body, the muscles, and all that. And you're looking at so a six, six, four, six, five guy, 230 pounds, runs a, a, a pretty much a four, four or four, five on there and a and a guy there leads the lease was about what 19.9 yeah, last season
1: the catch uh, how do, how do you defend that eh? you know like you <laughs> guys just, you guys went down to Gainesville and did some shopping this year didn't you you had two florida kids drafted you had another one in, uh, as an undrafted free agents too Anyone who, who looked at my scouting notes on the touchdown this year might have noticed that I had a few players on each position highlighted in yellow. Uh, I hate the phrase, but they were my guys, so to speak. Know, late day two or day three picks, I thought could outplay their draft position. Williams was one, short as another, uh, you know, as was your next pick too, to be fair. But Justin short it was utter beast, Absolute beast, uh, jump ball specialist. He, you know, the quarterback. If you've got a quarterback who's under G he knows he can throw up to him and he knows just short is going to come down with it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I like his, I like it how nasty he plays. You know, he's ultra competitive at the catch point, fluid mover too for his size as well. Gobbles up cushion off against man coverage, challenges DB with early route running. He's just powerful, powerful wide receiver, not faced by physical contact and a nightmare to tackle. I think on the outside opposite someone like Steph Diggs, I think he's, he's fantastic. And considering Gabe Davis enters his final year of his rookie deal. This year, I think it's clever to have an alternative, you know, in the fifth round. I don't think, I don't think uh Shorter is built for slot duties. So that, you know, I don't think you'll, you'll push him inside as a big slot. uh Sadly, I think that's maybe Khalil Shakir's job to lose now, but um he could be a rotational guy on the year, on the outside year one, but it does give Brandon Bean options after this season. You know, you see how he goes as a rookie. I think th- He's one of my favorite guys in terms of like mid day three picks. I had him mm. in the fifth round. That's exactly where you got him. Um, in a in a draft where people said the talent kind of died off after day two, I think that's awesome. Again, I I, mean, I, I didn't I went, didn't want to come up here and, and be like a all rah rah Buffalo Bills, but <laughs> it's a really good draft. I'm finding it hard to pick holes in it to be quite honest. I mean, the the one thing
0: obviously for him, he was um, shorter was the number one wide receiver in the 2018 recruiting class, hmm. and that had the likes of what it had likes of um, Jefferson. Uh, I did have some other names on there, um, guys that have actually gone in the first round, the last um, last few drafts, and all that. And a guy that, like, was it it's like seventy odd percent of his catches, um, was a first down, touchdown, and then one drop in two seasons and about one hundred fourteen odd attempts on targets. They yes. got a solid guy in there, and a guy that can can contribute on special teams. Yeah, so and we know that that the last few seasons we've had jake Kumaro, who obviously been on the team mainly because of his special team prowess and maybe this is a way to get shorter up to speed mm-hmm. keep him on there by letting him play play special teams and then just ease him ease him into the
1: uh into the game oh for sure i think any any day three pick the gateway to game time is your special teams you have play, some players who embrace that and you have some players who don't and the ones who don't, don't last long. Uh, I think Shorter's going to be absolutely fine on special teams. No problem at all. I think he'll probably relish it, knowing it uh, <laughs> watching him on the field. He kind of enjoys it. Uh, it's interesting you mentioned the, the five-star thing. I think something we found in this draft is a lot of these kids, you know, trying to scout them isn't as easy. And, you know, you've got a lot of older prospects. You've got a lot of five- and six-year guys there. But it's all because of COVID. Hmm. And you found that a lot of teams were leaning on... Kind of like when it came down to splitting hairs between these guys, leaning on uh, how how they were kind of recruited at college, the five star guys. You saw a lot of five star guys go this year over other people because they just the t- the tape wasn't there to be trusted, so to speak. So they kind of let on other people's analysis as well. It was really interesting to find one of those guys in later rounds again. It's just it's just another reason why to draft him rather than why not. I, I, yeah, there's no character concerns with this kid. You know, classic Sean McDermott style kind of guy I I I honestly don't have a problem with, with Shorter at all like I say he was one of the people who stood out to me as someone who could carve out a role on an offence and never be the number one but you know be somebody yeah. who you can rely on um, and be productive for a fifth round pick what more can you ask for yeah and we've we seen Kurt, what sorry Go on brother
2: no, I was going to say, is I suppose it's more of a statement rather than a question, but it, 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 see, it seems as if, certainly in the drafts that we've had with Beena McDermott before, they seem to have drafted guys with high upsides, great physicality, and, you know, stick with us, trust the process, you know, we'll make them into sort of year three guys. The sense I get from this draft is that they seem to be drafting guys who can play this year. Not oh, we'll redshirt him. We'll work him in slowly, bit by bit. It, it the sense I'm getting that that Kincaid is going to play. I think oh I, yeah, I, he definitely will. I think Torrance definitely will play. Dorian Williams okay, maybe you know may, maybe as a backup, but it'll work his way in. Justin Short, if he gets in in special teams, it seems that they're going for the guys to make an impact now, not year two, year three guys.
1: Yeah, of yeah, course, fine. Yeah, I think, yeah, well, that's that's the stage you're at now, isn't it? You know, you're not building, yeah. you're not building depth, you're not setting the culture now. You are adding mm. those final pieces. This is this yeah. is you looking at the NFL, thinking we are one of these big boys. How do we take down the cream? This is how you mm. do it. You start getting those final touches in.
0: Yeah, and I think I think I did. I think I mentioned in a previous pod, going back at the beginning of the draft setup itself when we launched it about how the Chiefs did it with their blueprint of drafting a year ahead. Hmm. or actually planning a year ahead, doing extra scouting so they knew what they wanted to do and actually just started working on that. And that was the blueprint that seems to work rather than what Brandon Bean did, which was reactive after losing to the Chiefs the first time. He said, "Okay, we need to go up there and fortify the rush and actually get to Mahomes. And they just, Mahomes and the Chiefs just built up that offensive line and then we went, um, went chasing again. So I think... In a way, I don't want to credit the Chiefs, but credit the Chiefs in the way that they probably have set the bar with this draft, either draft now to come in or at least scout a year ahead to actually know where you want to um where you want to get to and how you want to protect your, your franchise quarterback. Uh, and that, that leaves us nicely protection to our to yes. our seventh round pick. And I know I was following you on Twitter, Simon, and this was one of your guys as well. Uh, Nick, uh, is it? Is brokers is pronounced? Uh, Nick Brooker. Brooker. Um, obviously, he can play anywhere along that um, on the on the offensive line. It was out Al- Auburn, wasn't it? No, not Auburn. Uh, oh, no, Ole miss. Ole miss. Yeah, Ole miss.
1: Yeah, all miss. Yeah, I mean, a... I don't have much about him. So please oh, fill us
0: yeah. in about him. Yeah, <laughs> it. Yeah, please.
1: This is this is um, you get down to these six and seven rounds, okay. The unicorns are gone. There's 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 two kinds well, there's three kinds of players. There's you've got guys who are big, you've got guys who are fast, and then you've got the unicorns who are both. And that's essentially what it is outside of maybe you know football intelligence and pure natural ability. That's how that's how things shape out, really. When you get to the sixth or seventh round, you're choosing one or the other, and that and you're choosing speed here. This is what you're choosing with Nick Brooker, here. but. The best thing about him is that even though he's quick and he's undersized, he plays like a filthy animal. He's he's dirty. I absolutely love him. I watch him, and he's like a he's like a mini version of Richie Incognito. I absolutely love him. He's filthy, oh, no filthy so run blocker, born to drive people off the football. Plays with this alpha dog aggression. Happy to make it and turn it into a dog fight if he needs to for sixty minutes. <laughs> I don't think I don't think I watched any tape and. So many like defensive linemen really enjoying the game when they were playing it <laughs> playing him. And this is in the SEC, We're not we're not talking about any old uh, you know college football conference here. We're talking about the creed. So he's good. I, I do like him, you know, obviously there are limitations, you know, he he, he Against the run, he's he's fine, but against the pass, he, he seems to struggle a little bit against power. I think it's the length that does him. I think the the, the edge rushes or, or the interior rushes, you can get the hands on inside his pads, hit him hard up top. I think that's where he struggles. He's, he's actually quite stout against the run, where he's able to like sink his cleats into the ground and 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 absorb pressure. Um, but in, in terms of himself, he hits <coughs> hard when he wants to move people. So there's that. And when he gets onto those pads, he's an absolute bitch to get off. Like I've never seen a player latch on; he just refused to let go. And yeah, there'll, there'll be some flags sometimes. Like if he's up against it, he'd rather take a flag than let his quarterback get hit, which I quite, <laughs> I quite admire to some extent. But we're talking about like a seventh round draft pick here. You know, there was like was it like one of the last thirty picks in the draft? Yeah. So to find somebody who can be part of that rotation. um, I think again, we're talking about that position of attrition, aren't we? You know, body's going to get worn down. in The NFL, you don't, you want people who can come in in a pinch, do a job for you. I think, Brook, I think Brooker is that guy. It's almost, it's almost as if you know this this Bills front office know what they're doing.
0: <laughs>
1: what well, what what position? Obviously, he he he's
0: played all 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 five um, spots. What would you say his position would be um, in the NFL and and I mean, I'm thinking. Obviously, what we talked about, Mitch Moore. Do you think they could convert him to a center prospect, or is he just, or is he truly more more comfortable as a as a guard prospect?
1: So I know I saw no tape of him at center. He was a left guard purely for Ole Miss. That being said, he does have some of the things that guards that centers need. He's quick. He's a bit smaller and he's got good length. So those three are quite important for a for, for, for centre. And he's quite savvy as well. Bit grabby, which is going to be some problems, but he does have that ability to snap the football and get his arms up very quickly, has that little bit of burst about him. So I w- I don't know if they've identified this at all. I have no idea. I would say that out of him and Osiris Torrance, he's definitely more likely to be kicked inside the centre than, than 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 the uh, second round pick will be. Um, whether or not it's him over Bates, I'll leave that for you, uh, Bills experts, to decide. But I do think he has some positional versatility. I think he can play either side at guard for starters. Uh, you're, yeah. You want him nowhere near a tackle. Absolutely nowhere near a tackle. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think he'll be able to uh, cope with, with uh, bull rushes off the edge. But uh, yeah, on the interior, definitely some versatility there.
0: And and then our last pick, where well, when I know when I heard we were trained down again, we we're in the two fifties. I was thinking, might as well just 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 go <laughs> for the Mister Irrelevant. Let's let's his give team, us some that. It's 2 we've got two.
2: It's worth mentioning we've got two six six round pick for next year though, haven't we? We can yeah. you know random picks that can then throw them onto the table to move up. Of course, yeah. and a few few spots in you know earlier rounds.
0: But I was, I was hoping that when they say a the trade back down, they're saying, let's just get Mr. Raven, let's have something to re-talk really about. But we went two hundred and fifty-two. We went with Alex Austin out of um Oregon State at cornerback. I think I remember watching one of the last tapes I watched before was obviously his bowl game. And he did stand out a little bit on there and I see him more, he's more of a zone zone based guy. Am I right? You are he's right. More, yeah. He struggles more in man and better in zone,
1: which the bills do love to, to run. But he is physical. So it's a quite an interesting one. I think he's just got the savviness to play zone. I think that's where he stands out. Uh, Oregon state was a real good story last year. Um, mm. Everyone talks about how well they did an offense, but in actual fact, Jonathan Smith's defense was really good. Uh, they had two very good cornerbacks and, don't want to upset you, but I do. Actually, I did actually like red John Wright in the other corner a little bit more than I did Alex Austin, but Alex Austin for a seven round pick again, not a bad pick. He looks the part, you know, he's tall, he's long. He's got that good weight on his frame. He's just shredded. You know, he, you know, he's a hot, <laughs> hot to do He plays with passion. He, he's got that aggression again. And I, but like you say, not necess- press is fine. Off man, not not as much. Um, but the zone, yeah, he's got that. He's really all around. He's got a good feel operating in his own coverage, and I think what I like is what I like is he's, he can anticipate really well. I think that's the best thing I, I, I liked him. But yeah, for me, I'll be interested to see how he's used in Buffalo because mm. Buffalo, Buffalo do like the bigger corners as well as zone. So it'll be interesting to see if he doesn't if they allow him to get down, you know, I mean, we're talking about a backup guy, whether or not he sees much outside of preseason or not, I don't know, but, you know, he yeah. does have that length and that power to be able to play press, which makes him quite versatile. I think it's something that they quite admire about him. Uh, outside corner only, I'd say. I don't think you want him anywhere near the slot. Again, a little bit too big and a little bit too... I think he'd be shook. You know, on those yeah. nippier inside interior receivers who've got good route right running, who can create separation out of nothing. I think he'll struggle there. But... It's um, yeah, I, I would I would say that you want him on the outside. I think he's got – there's a there's a route to starting eventually. It's going to be a long route. Certainly on a team like the Bills, you know, we're talking about yeah. – we we've got Kyle Elam and Trey White, for, you know, ahead of him. He's not going to start anytime soon. But you, the understanding is there. at this point, you're looking for traits. You're looking for little clues that he can be something in the future. No guarantees, but I do like him. Mm-hmm.
0: I think I think it's with us and, and and Brandon Bean does seem to draft well with his um, with his backs. Obviously, obviously Poyer and Hyde they came free agency, but their first ever draft pick was Trey White, Kyra Lambs. Actually, come along, leaps and bounds in that second half of the season. Levi Wallace was an undrafted free agent. He yeah. had his moments, good and bad.
2: Never Thank never, left the start, never. I always like to mention this. Never left the starting lineup. Undrafted free agent, practice squad guy, signed to the roster, made into the team, never, never got dropped. Just, just want to say,
0: yeah, Dane Jackson <laughs> again, another seventh round, another seventh round pick. actually, um, who again hit and miss. Has actually um, done, and obviously Christian Benford mm. as well, and obviously who cannot forget um, the monster inside in um, in Taron Johnson. So I think I'm I'm intrigued about this one. Because we know what Bean can do with these um, with these defensive backs, and as I say, like you say, it, it's it's been a very good draft. Even though some people may pickpocket some of these um, some of these picks, I think I think in a way, I wouldn't say we won the draft. I think the only thing I could say that's bad about it was no no defensive lineman with no interior. Defensive lineman, and I was big on I was big on Ica, uh, Broderick Martin. Uh, who else was I big on? Um, see, Carolina so. guy, Jaron Clark, yeah, all that, those type of guys. Because we are that we are that limited. Come the end of the season, we've got all four defensive yeah. tackles, well, five now, we're putting forward all on one year deals. But where do so, you take um,
2: did- the question was: is that where do you take them in the draft? If we're agreed we needed some form of offensive weapon in the first round, too good quality to pass up in the second round, we needed some kind of linebacker in the first three rounds. You gave up a fourth round to get there. Where where do we which draft round do we go for the tackle? Who don't we get in order to get the tackle? That's always that that must that's always the calculus, isn't
1: it? Mm. I think I think it's interesting the debate over Ed Oliver, he's not—he's mm. an interesting, talented kid. Not really endeared himself to either the fans or the or the uh, ownership necessarily in uh, in, in Buffalo. Uh, is that part of the reason why interior defensive line was so, so, kind of like sort so after for Spock, guy? You know?
2: for a guy drafted. He was ninth, wasn't it? Ninth yeah. overall in the in the 2019 draft. Coming up on a fifth year, he's had he's <laughs> played some great games. He's he's done really well, but. You just want more from a guy drafted in the top 10 of the draft. You want them to be the leader of the team. You want them to be you want them to be like Stefan Diggs or Trey White. You, you want them to be that. And he's, he's too near a middling player.
1: Mm. And he, he wants pain as well, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah.
2: and he probably I think, won't. I think it's also to
0: do with the fact that he hadn't had the true, um, really one tech alongside him. I mean, yeah, you've got Daquan Jones on there, but if you had a the guy that's actually a true plugger, one take, like maybe we'll see it this year with Puna Ford, we might see a better Ed Oliver, but we'll just have to wait and see for this um, this upcoming season. Sure. But the one other thing I obviously would talk about, is, it's actually one, I didn't mention this to you before we came on the show, but I want to definitely get your opinion on him. He's going to be a guy that probably come out either next year or 2025. But before we do that I just want to go through our undrafted. Um obviously a couple of names on there and I'm just going to go through the mini camp invites because one name which people may not know, Taron Vincent of Ohio State. He's actually the son of the um vice president of the NFL.
1: <laughs> Troy Vincent So
0: Yeah. And obviously Logan Bonner, they got a call, they got a um a quarterback in there, but just looking at looking at their undrafted who they've actually signed, um Noah Henderson, a tackle out of East Carolina, uh Braden Johnson, wide receiver out of Oklahoma State, um Jalen Wayne, um South Alabama, DJ Dale, um Alabama, Jordan Mims, Fresno State, Tyrell Shavers uh San Diego State and Richard uh, Garage um Florida. I think it I don't I want to get your opinion on on that because there are some intriguing names on that um on that list and again with the amount of defensive tackles that were still left on the board with Ashdown, how we only came away with one in undrafted is I don't know whether that's just by by design or as as people have said that the bills don't seem to be a true destination for udfas because the pathway to get to a roster spot is harder
1: yeah that is that's fair point to be fair like we do wonder why the better teams don't delve into there that's probably why you know <clears throat> agents probably encourage them to go elsewhere i I, I've got a bone to pick with the Bills when it comes to the UDFA's. Last year, we interviewed twelve uh, rookies and uh, they didn't pick draft or sign any of them. And this year, we did nineteen. I interviewed thirteen of them myself. Not one went to Buffalo. So, uh, right,
0: we're gonna we're gonna send Brandon. Uh, uh, yeah,
1: that's a just let them know, you know, like they do exist. There's still two out there actually waiting for home. So if you want a back or a blocking tight end, just give me a shout. I've got I've got names for you. But uh, well, no, I thought it was a fair comparatively across the league. It's a fair haul, you know. You want to talk about DJ Dale And I know you mentioned him earlier. Um, obviously <clears> looking for more interior defensive line help. You look, like, it's a feisty tackle. Mm. Probably got some good power in his game that his size wouldn't suggest. Bit of an animal just like I like him, you know, a real speed to power converter, bursts out of his stance, drives into contact. A typical classic Alabama prospect, very well polished, you know, good technique, coached well by Nick Saban, obviously. Good balance, good footwork when engaging. Um, I think what I I really like about him is that he just doesn't stop. Like his hands constantly working, constantly pressing, keeping keeping free and loose, you know, so he can stack and shed, get to that football. He can two-gap. How, how often do you find a, a defensive tackle as a UDFA you can 2 gap? You just don't, mm. and he's got that little bit of burst as well. I, I won't say he's got wiggle, and I won't give him that much. But he's undersized, but he's pretty pretty wide. So I don't know if he can slip gaps against the backfield. But you know, as a, again, UDFA can't moan about it. Sadly, didn't yeah. do, didn't didn't scout Tyrell Shavers because obviously, Matt, you mentioned it just before we came on um that you're interested in him, San Diego mm. State wide receiver. And interestingly enough, when I did the big UDFA uh, thread, like I do every year, he was one guy that a lot of Bills fans went, "Oh yeah, he'll be a good fit. He'll be a good fit." And I'd be interested to know why. I don't know if he's a speed guy or what. You know, obviously you guys lost Isaiah McKenzie uh, this year. He's um it was what 6'6", 210. Oh, right. Um, uh, what
0: was it? I'm trying to find out because someone did a someone
1: did a post on him. I just can't remember where it went and who did it. Well, I'll let you have um, go that. I can I can talk a little bit about uh, uh Jalen Wayne from South Alabama. South Alabama's a school. Yeah. I quite like. Uh, Reggie Wayne's nephew, I believe, uh, has a real chance yep. to stick. Reminds me of Adam Thielen. So, they've, they've kind of looked for those possession receivers on the outside a little bit. Uh, his football intelligence jumps off the screen. He's a smart route runner. Uh, very refined. Kind of developed those little nuances you expect from my receivers to be able to create that separation when needed. But he's also a big dude as well. You know, he, a red zone threat, huge catch radius and he can move. And, the best thing about him is you can play him inside or outside. That's what he's shown already on his tape for the Jaguars. So, Still feels like there's some untapped potential there, which obviously is what you're looking for when you're looking for UDFAs. Um, yeah, and the best thing was you got more and more productive every every year at South Alabama, so a very interesting project uh, prospect there for you.
0: Yeah, I think another thing about Shavers, is obviously, again, is this special teams ability, and I think, I think that's what I think our sixth, our sixth, most like to take six wide receivers, and there, and that's what. Bills are looking for is guys that can actually contribute on, on the special teams. I just think I think a, I think it was a speed speeder swell with with Shavers. I can't remember what he actually ran in the um what he ran as a pro day hmm. but you've got a guy and what they seem to be done was shorter 6'4 obviously Shavers 6'6, 6'4 4, for knock Nox, 6'4 for 6'4", 6'4, 6'5 for Kincaid compared to six one yeah. for Davis and Diggs, uh, Shakir five ten five eleven. So they're getting the guys, the bigger guys, but also guys have got the got got the speed, size, and and weight um, to them. The, the freakish athletes, as um, Dane Brugler like to say.
1: No, yeah, he loves it, doesn't he? Um, again, another common theme actually in this draft, just how teams focus on those those numbers, those athletic, you know, the measurables and <clears> the measure and, and the uh, athletic testing as well. So it was quite intriguing to see the Bills go the same way. But I think it's just diversity for the most part as part of your wide receiver group. You know, what sometimes you need that guy on the outside. Sometimes mm. you know, at least as to Josh Allen, sometimes you're gonna have to throw it up there. You know, you, yeah. don't want it, you know, in rare moments where you can't throw it away, you need to win the game. You need to move the chains on that spot. You have to throw it up there, and you, you know, you find guys who can do that. That's good. I was also very impressed with um, your signing of Richard Garage, uh, yeah. tackle from Florida, because I had him as a late day two, maybe early day three pick. I thought your third Gator of the of, of the year, <laughs> um, yeah, versatile prospect again. So you know, it gives you that swing ability, uh, fair experience in both positions. And again, polished. I think that's that was the key thing. You know, he, he looked very tidy. Um, him and Torrance basically the bedrocks of that offensive line for the for the Gators to some extent. Uh, developed foot footwork and hand skills. Loved the timing of his strikes. You know, he's really he just punches so quickly and sharply. Perfect timing. Finds pads all the time. Resets, restrikes. You know, always stays like kind of on top of of the defender in, in every in every aspect of the play. Love his body control, his balance again, and plays with good leverage. And I think as a run blocker. You know he's he's got that eagerness, but as but as a pass protector, he's very finesse. I think mm. no guarantees. Again, he's an undrafted free agent. We're not we're not talking about a guy who, who was coveted, obviously, but we are talking about someone who has those traits. And I think again, when you come to the, the free agency side of things you're going to have to lean on the traits because you're looking for somebody who might have something to prove or something left in the tank that you haven't seen yet. And I think they allude to that better than maybe the tape does. And I think that may be the case with Garage. I think it's another example of you guys identifying somewhere you want to find, find more depth at and taking a, taking a swing at it. And I think that's exactly what UDFAs do. You, you know, if you look at all the teams kind of like in UD when it comes to after the draft, they you really get a sense of where they think they need to kind of like swing for the fences. So yeah. the the Bears, for instance, more linebackers, uh, a couple of running backs. You guys, obviously, offensive line, wide receiver. It it does tell you what the what what the front officers are thinking a little bit. But yeah, yeah, more value there to be had.
0: I think this is probably one of the most. This is more than most offensive um, uh, minded drafts that we've had under Brandon Bean. So he's always seemed to have gone defense heavy, but now he's actually flipped the table on it, and it. Hopefully, it comes. Hopefully, now we can get Ken Dorsey dialing up the plays that we want and getting this, um, getting the, the offense from the first six weeks of last season back, um, back together.
2: I have a funny feeling that this is not just my opinion, it's just some sense I've had on the wires that Ken Dorsey had something of a part to play in this draft. I just have a funny feeling that they' they're, they're doing this for the impact because he wanted OJ Howard didn't he for last year and they they, they wanted to try a sort of 12 personnel type thing and I just wonder if something about dorsey's fingerprint on like this is the sort of team that I want because I think for a lot of year one he was kind of just doing what Brian Dable did and I think this is his chance to make it his offense mm. and I just wonder if the the players he's, he's, he's drafted with with that in mind well, that's, well, that's
1: so- it's a really interesting way of doing it. It's the it's the smart way of doing it. You look at uh, teams like Seattle Seahawks, they've always worked very close with their coaches to identify players that fit the bill, what they're looking for, even if they're changing this, even if they're moving the goalposts a little bit and they're developing and forever you know evolving as an offense or a defense. They'll they you know they scout the players, they find out what they're good at, what they're bad at, and then they go to the coach and say, Look, what are you particularly looking for? And then when the coaches you know live or die by basically the players they've been given, they can say, Well, we gave you what you asked for. Yeah, and shows what you can do with it. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Bills are undoubtedly in a Super Bowl window right now. So you look yeah. at a team who are competing with other teams, and you know, without sounding like it doesn't, you know, it's look, luck, it's luck, it's not. But it's a roll of the dice out of which are maybe six teams are going to win the Super Bowl this year. The Bills are one mm-hmm. of those teams, and I think that if you look at the other five teams that you're going, you've certainly not lost ground through this draft, through this, through this draft weekend. If anything, I'd argue you probably had the strongest weekend yeah so the the one name i do want to to
0: do talk about i say he's not he might be out next draft or the draft after he um was at arkansas state oh yeah transferred to colorado did he he's gone back into the transfer portal actually um london born um say do triori uh,
1: yeah nice so, nice
0: I've, seen, I've, I've watched him. I've watched some of the Arkansas, game, Arkansas State games, and obviously he's he's down as a tight end, but he looks more of a wide receiver on there. I'm just wondering if they ever do, if they would ever consider moving him to a wide receiver if he would just bulk up and be a, um, be a bit more thicker as a tight end. But I just want to know your thoughts on him. And obviously if he could be the first pure, lung, well, one of the, Batted Londoners, London or UK-based prospects, to actually go quite high in the um in the draft whenever he comes
1: out. Well, we don't know when he comes out. So that's the interesting thing. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I've not scouted him by any stretch of the imagination. He, what we're talking about a six foot four, two hundred and ten pound guy. By the time it and done, he's going to be either a big wide receiver or he's going to be a small tight end. So he's going to be that hybrid guy again, someone who can do probably play that wide, play outside, play anywhere you want to play in terms. In terms of where he goes, it's way too early to say. I mean, it would be lovely to see how high he goes in terms of in terms of the kind of connection and all the work they're doing over here at Loughborough for the NFL Academy. But he's not the only kid in uh, college football now who've, who's, who's gone through the NFL Academy. I think we're up to about eight and nine now who have actually managed to get scholarships over in America. Yeah. There's, one, there's one guy at Temple. There's one guy at Pitt. So and Pitt had an, an Italian guy, didn't he? he Go to the draft, uh, Habakkuk Balbinado. Yeah. So it's really working now. Um, I couldn't tell you much about much about uh Traore. I know obviously his family traditionally from uh, the Ivory Coast. He was born and raised in London, but um, it will be it will be interesting to see just just how well the academy are, are finding these people, and, and will be. This is the benchmark then for them doing mm. it elsewhere in 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 the world. Just we We're going to start seeing the NFL get more international in terms of the names and people in there. Yeah. Um, the NFL Academy in London and the UK in particular have got a, a head start in that regard. This this could be the start of it. Obviously, mm. now now at Colorado, you know, what was it? What was um Dion Sanders' phrase? Like, you know, when he when he got in there, he was like saying like, you know, a lot of you guys aren't going to be here because mm-hmm. I because I'm here now. I'm bringing my luggage and it's Louis. What are you saying? Yeah. He's, bringing, he's bringing in talent. And one of the first guys he brings in is this British guy. So it's it's a phenomenal mm. situation. Really interesting to see just how well he is, how well he well he does, in terms of position. I, th- I think he's going to end up being one of those guys who just have that flexibility. You know, which is really which is what people covet in the NFL nowadays. And I think because of that, that gives you hope that he could crack you know one of the earlier rounds. Yeah. So one one
0: last question for before, before we sign off. Your favorite pick from the Bills, um, Bills draft. I mean, you can you can do mm-hmm. one to seven, or you can do any of the undrafted. But your your one favorite pick. Well,
1: uh, I'm not gonna lie. It's the it's that third round pick. Of Dorian Williams is by far now. It's the one who made me spill my beer. Let's say that. <laughs> you know? So it was. All, I was very excited <laughs> about it, mostly for Dorian, mostly for Tulane, but obviously for the Bills as well. It, it's a nice, like you guys say, it's a nice fit with the schemes they've had out there. So uh, with the history they've had at that linebacker position in, in Carolina, I, I absolutely think it's perfect. And I think I, I've got a good feeling in two or three years, you'd be looking at Dorian Williams, you're thinking, this is a guy who you know, has that Matt Milano kind of like cult status. I th- I'm hoping Dorian reaches those levels for you guys.
0: Yeah. Robin, quickly, your, your favourite
2: pick?
1: Uh,
2: I'm going to say Shorter. I've, a, I've, a fun, I've a, I've a, I've a, I've a, I can just see him pulling in a 40, 50 yard bomb late in the game when we need, when we, when we need one and running it in. I can just see him doing the, uh, the. Oh god, got a blanking on the guy. game against the Jags when one of Josh Allen's fifty yard bombs to the wide receiver. Oh man, never mind. Um, yeah, I think that guy could could pull in a few catches for us. Oh. roger somebody oh god oh, i don't know god, i don't know but sorry. now again like yeah, now you picked the guy i was gonna pick oh, gonna... <laughs> oh well, did i Oh, sorry about that you, you can say Kincaid. just say just say Kincaid. that's fine
0: i'm gonna no i'm actually saying a oh, torrent i'm gonna say torrents i think i think no, you, you. you've beefed up you've beefed up the o-line in in the free agency you've got the number one pure interior offensive lineman at 59 a guy that can plug and play and has been pretty much kept the pocket clean for his quarterback okay his quarterback was anthony richardson who could run <laughs> so he's got he's, he's kind of well versed in actually uh, protecting a mobile quarterback let's call it let's call josh allen that so i think getting him at 59 is probably my uh my favorite pick
2: I, even though i
0: do like shorter quite a bit to be honest <laughs> but no i mean simon thank you ever ever so much again for for coming on knowledge where can the where yes. can the guys actually Thanks find you nice. and i say when hopefully when we see Bean in october we'll just tell him like get hold of get hold of you listen listen to his interviews <laughs> and listen to who the bills need to uh need to select so what where can they find all your um all your work
1: uh, oh, it's a little cat come on the screen. That's cool. Um, you can find yeah, me no at <laughs> uh, thetouchdown.co.uk. Check out all our writers' works. We've got like 15 or 20 writers who write for us. Uh, NFL Draft, College Football, NFL, Fantasy, Betting, anything anything, and everything really, as much as we can produce for you guys. Um, personally, you can find me at NFL Draft Sci on Twitter. Um, obviously, you can find my work at The Touchdown as well. And, uh Always love coming on this show, with you guys. I really enjoy it. Uh, hopefully, the Bills will come over to uh, London again soon. and I can come down and join you for one of your little uh, Bills UK uh, gatherings and uh, talk some football.
0: Yeah, well, hopefully, they're, hopefully tomorrow they're going to announce the who the opponents are. Because I know the Bills are coming. And, and the nice Yeah. Find out tomorrow, and hopefully, I think, I think, I think, Ton have leaked it. That's going to be the eighth of October. Oh really?
2: 15th, quite possibly. Yeah. they yeah. put the book in. So in. The Tottenham website,
0: mad. when you go onto it, when you type into Google, it says eighth of October, Buffalo Bills. Oh, nice.
2: Yeah. So well, it's it, England, England are playing the, the Friday and Tuesday around then as well, and they're usually playing back to back, so it would make sense with the premiership games being cancelled. Eighth fifteenth seems about right as well. So yeah. Nice.
1: Yeah. Well,
2: I'll and, see you down yeah. there. Yeah.
0: Yes, you will. But
2: <laughs> anyway, Simon,
0: thank you for, for coming on the show. Thank you so much. Obviously, keep following Robin and myself on, on Twitter. Obviously, Marcus well, well. Follow the UK Bills on all socials. And for Simon, Robin, Matt saying good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Thank you for listening. And let's go Buffalo Bills. Yeah, no, no, no. You don't
1: know anything about heart? You don't know anything about work? Huh? That's who we are. That's on three. One, two, three. Yeah.